my, my aim for this evening is to recap, is to recap the entire Make a Difference series, this, this series about learning to follow God well. I think that there's probably a decent possibility that you might have missed a message or two in, in this series, and, and you know, your loss, uh, your loss, you can, you can catch back up on, on YouTube or whatever, but um, I also know some of you are newer to the church and, and haven't been here since the beginning of the series, so I, I kind of think of today as a, as a reminder, actually a, a final exhortation, I suppose, of some final thoughts, um, having just spent the last year or so um, chewing on, on these, these passages, on these stories in the book of 1 Samuel, I'm kind of thinking of it as a little bit of a, uh, a Make a Different Series remix, you know. I just can't do that. No, I can't do it. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we started off the series last August. I know, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, last August, um, and, and I, I talked very clearly that we are not doing a study uh, of the book of 1 Samuel. We're doing a study in the book of 1 Samuel, and, and that's really important. So I don't want you to come through out of this series thinking, we've studied 1 Samuel. No, if we were to study 1 Samuel, we would have to be looking at the main human person in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, that's David. David is the point of the book of Samuel. And, I, and I, again, I say the book of Samuel because it was originally one book when it was written, one story. And it's the story of how, the, how we got from this era where there was no kings to this guy, David, who is going to, uh, whose who's, who's kingship and, and his dynasty is setting up Jesus. Jesus, the king of kings, Jesus, the, the son of David. And, and so it, the book of Samuel is all about David and setting up how, how we got um, to him. The reason why the book was divided into First and Second Samuel is because when they translated the book from Hebrew into Greek, Hebrew has no vowels. Greek has vowels. The letters are, there's just more letters in these words. And so it didn't fit on a scroll anymore. So they divided it um, First and, and Second Samuel. So we're, we're, we didn't study First Samuel. That would have been about David and connected to David. Instead, we've studied three people all throughout the whole book of 1 Samuel, three people whose lives were instructive to teach us how we, in our generation, can make a difference. The things that we need to learn if we want to follow God well all the days of our lives. We looked at a woman named Hannah, which we're going to talk, remember about today. We looked at a, a prophet, priest, king named Samuel, which we're also going to recall today. And we're, we looked at a, a king, a king named Saul. Now, just humor me <laughs> just humor me uh how many okay we, we did this it's been a while since we've spoken on hannah it's it's been it's been a few months i think september so how many of you were not here for any hannah messages uh did not hear them i mean maybe you heard them on youtube and all that kind of stuff uh yeah okay okay yeah so it, there, there, that that sounds about right um i'm glad you're here i'm glad i'm glad all of you are here uh and have been a part of the church during this last season um, I believe that God has brought you here for a week, for a month, for years, for reasons. That God wants to, to meet with you in this place. He wants to speak to you. He wants to nudge you. He wants to guide you. He wants to talk to you about you. He wants to talk to you about his plans and purposes for your life. He wants to, t he wants to speak to you and encourage you and, and, and also push you and, and develop you and grow you. Uh, he, there's things he wants to do in your life and encouragements and guidance in your life but also he wants to use you in other people's lives as well it's very significant that you're here 
I know it sounds just so dumb to say out loud, but I just keep saying it because I'm, I'm just cool that way. Uh, there's, more, there's more people not here than are here in our city. There's a reason you're here. God has plans and purposes. And so uh, I'm glad you're a part, I'm a part of this, whether it's just for a short period of time or a long period of time. May God be speaking, and even tonight, to you and encouraging you. Okay, let's, let's remember Hannah. Let's remember Hannah. Let's, let's go back and, and, and remember her story. What a heartbreaking story at the beginning. The first two chapters of the book of, of, of 1 Samuel uh, are, are focused on her or are mostly focused on her. And, and it, it's, the story starts out with this, this woman who is an incredible multi, multi-year heart anguish and pain. That's where the story starts off with. The, this broken, broken and woman in, in, in so much pain. Um, she couldn't have uh, children, and, and that's a big deal. But on top of that, she, she was being intentionally abused and provoked by this woman named Paniah, this woman in, in her own home. She, she was in this abusive situation, in this disappointing situation, in this anguish situation, in this painful situation for years and years. Let me just read a, a, just a few excerpts of what, what we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says uh, in verse 4, whenever Elkanah, Elkanah, Elkanah is her husband, uh, whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to each of her sons and daughters, but he gave a double portion to Hannah. For he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival, Penina, would taunt her severely just to provoke her. Just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival, Penina, taunted her in this way every year Hannah wept and would not eat that, that's, that's part of the starting place this, this inability to have kids for her is probably um, I, I think I said this last autumn it's probably been an issue for at least 15 years it's hard to imagine it being less than 20 years when we looked at, at, at the whys for that, you can go back and look at YouTube, but, but about 15 to 20 years of, of, of praying, of pleading with God, 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 give me, give me a child. And, and, this, and, and in this horrible situation, 20 years of praying and pleading. Listen to the, the, her own description of her heart. And she's talking to Eli the priest and he's misunderstanding her. Uh, but, but it says... Um, it says in, in verse 10, deeply hurt. This is, this is where Hannah's starting place. Deeply hurt. And, and again, understatement, understatement. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction. Affliction. She's being actively tormented, taunted. Remember and not forget me. That's how it feels when you're being tormented and taunted and your prayers aren't getting remember me don't forget me and give your servant a son I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life his hair will never be cut meaning he'll be a Nazarite skipping down to verse 15 she's talking to the Eli the priest no my Lord Hannah replied I am a woman with a broken heart a broken heart 
I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. From the depth of my anguish and, and resentment. That is Hannah's starting point. That, that, that's where her story, a woman crushed by life. A woman in the deepest of, of, of heart anguish, a woman full of resentment about her life, about how God doesn't seem to be listening to her, about all these disappointments year after year after her abusive life situation. And, and probably no matter how many years she's been praying, it just seems like God is not paying attention to her. Often when we think about the great people of the Bible and we think of those who make a difference and, and uh, follow God well, often we, we think of people like you know, like those people out there. Like people who, who kind of got it all together, basically. They're, they're set up well. They've, they've got a good setup situation. But, but Hannah is a great example of someone who doesn't have it all together. Her life is in shambles, and it's been that way for decades. Her life, is, her life has never gone her way. It's never gone away. Her biggest, most important prayer request that she's ever had in her life has gone unanswered year after year after year. She's miserable in life. She is miserable. She, she, she is helpless in her situation. She's completely stuck in this abusive home environment. And yet, God is going to use her to change the nation, to be a part of that. Now, I, I don't know what your starting point is or was. I don't, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how you assess your life, but maybe your life feels awful. Maybe when you look at your life, it just seems awful right now. Maybe today you're, you're like, this is a horrible mess. You feel powerless. You, you feel stuck. You feel like God isn't paying attention to your anguish you feel like he's not paying attention to your grief and you're he's like he's not paying attention to your prayer requests at all and you're just pleading with him and, and, and banging with him. i can see how easy it would feel in in the time of, of, of pain for you to feel like you're probably not going to be one of those people that's going to be able to do much for god because i mean what can you do your life is, feels just horrible and you're not, you're not one of those people that feels like God's answering, answering your prayers. I just want to remind you, look at the story of Hannah again. Read it. Re remember that although you might have to wait year after year, although you might have to walk through a very dark valley for, for a long period of time, it only takes a God moment, just one God moment to completely change your life, to totally change your life. Again, she couldn't have kids for decades, but then she received this blessing from Eli the priest, and that blessing activated change, and then a year later, after years of praying, she has a son who she named Samuel at age three. She gives Samuel to the Lord at great personal sacrifice. She gives him up. She decides she's not going to raise him, and instead he's adopted into Eli's family. But instead of moaning about this, this painful moment in her life, she starts praising and very, there, there's, some, there's some people who just, no matter what's going on in their life, they're just going to moan. They're going to moan. And then there's some people, no matter what's going on in their life, they're going to praise. 
They're going to look for, for that. Often we're in the middle. I, I urge you to follow Hannah's example and to be someone who's going to praise even when things are, are challenging and, and, and difficult. I think the main thing, you know, thinking about Hannah, I think the main thing that I want you to take away from uh, oh, well, I guess, uh, let me talk about her praise. Her praise starts like this. She's a praise-filled a praise woman. She starts in chapter 2. She says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies. I rejoice in your salvation. Again, she's, she's letting go of her son. Uh, there's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. She, she's this woman who just praises God for, for the answered prayers. Hannah. What I want you to think about when you think back at Hannah, what I want you to remember, and the exhortation, the application of Hannah's story is, is this. Keep pleading. Keep praising. When you think of Hannah, keep pleading. Keep praising. God, I keep pleading, God, answer my prayer. God, answer my prayer. If you want to make a difference for God throughout your life, if you want God's help and intervention in your life, you're gonna have to learn how to have extraordinary persistence in prayer. Extraordinary persistence in prayer. A heart attitude when it comes to God and, and seeking God for, for hearing from him. <coughs> From hearing from him, from, from seeing breakthrough in your life, this, this heart prayer attitude is, I am never going to give up on asking God for you to help me right now or to intervene in this situation. I'm not going to give up on that ever. Unless you start talking to me through that, that plant that's on fire but not on fire. but on, you know, like, Unless you make it that clear. I'm not giving up on, on, on this prayer. That's the kind of praying that Jesus encourages. And we feel like, no, I don't want to just, I don't want to just impose. I don't want to just bother God with this same prayer request for the next 20 years. No, 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 no. Jesus encouraged that kind of praying in Luke chapter 18. He tells this parable of a persistent widow, a widow that just kept coming back and back and back and back. And he says that parable, it said in verse 1 of chapter 18, for the purpose to teach us to always to pray always. That's why, that's why. To pray always and not become discouraged. Not become discouraged when we don't see that prayer answered the first year or the first decade. To not become discouraged, to pray always. And that's it. That's the main, main takeaway I want us to have when we're remembering Hannah. And yeah, I get, in one sense, she got majorly discouraged. 20 years of pain and anguish and abuse and, and unanswered prayers. She got discouraged, but she never got discouraged enough to stop praying that's what we're talking about when it comes to discouragement i bet you have ex examples in your own life where you have prayed about something that was important to you it didn't happen very fast in fact it didn't seem like it was on track at all and, and time went by and you became discouraged that, and thought, you know, that prayer's probably never going to get answered, and you stop praying. Probably, I've done that. That's not how Jesus teaches us to pray. He teaches us to grab on to prayer requests with persistence and, and that never give up attitude. Our generation as a whole is pathetic when it comes to persistence in answered prayer, in, in pursuing God, in pleading with God in prayer. 
We give up way too soon. If we can't see any evidence of anything happening, we just stop praying after a while. As if we have to see evidence. God can do anything in an instant. We're pathetic when it comes to that multi-year intense pleading for God. Hannah, keep pleading. Keep praising. And those prayers finally get answered for her. She, she shouts about it. She starts publicly, for, for you, you start putting it on Instagram. I, I'd say put it on Facebook. Most of you are 25 or less. So, so don't, don't worry about it. Have your grandparents put it on Facebook. And, and, and you, you, you do you, right? And, uh, and, but just start getting the word out. God heard your prayers, your cries for help. And, and praise God for that. Oh, that was Hannah. Hannah, keep pleading, keep praising the second person that we talked about was her son, Samuel. Samuel. Now, the Samuel story picks up in chapter 3. It picks up in chapter 3, and, and I think chapter 3 captures the why for Samuel. Why? Why Samuel was able to become who he was able to become. Chapter 3 captures the why, why he's able to make such a huge difference all throughout his life. Why Samuel is able to navigate um, horrible, horrible things like the rejection of his godly leadership when he had 35 more years or so left. Like he had to navigate some extreme rejection and just difficult moments. I believe that because of what Samuel learned in, in chapter 3 that because, and because he practiced it, all the days of his life and he just he held with this lesson all the days of his life it helped him to follow God well through every challenge and every crisis every disappointment every pain not just that he survived them but he navigated them with integrity with humility all the days of his life so okay so what did he learn sorry what did he learn in chapter three basically he learned this he learned to hear God's voice he learned to hear God's voice and he learned to hear God's voice and to overcome his personal fears to act on what God had spoken. And that's key. Not just to hear God's voice, but also to act. He learned to act uh, and overcome his personal fears to, to act on what God spoke. Let me look at it real quick. Chapter 3. This is, this is the very famous story starting in, in verse, we'll just pick up in verse 3. Uh, middle of a paragraph before the lamp of God had go uh, God the lamp of God had gone out <clears throat> Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was located then the Lord called Samuel and he answered here I am he ran to Eli and said here I am you called me I didn't call Eli replied go back and lie down so he went and lay down once again, the Lord called Samuel, called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I didn't call my son. He replied, go back and lie down. Now Samuel had not yet experienced the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. <clears throat> Learning how 
Learning how to, to hear from God and to know it's Him. To hear from God and know it's Him is absolutely foundational in order for us to be able to follow God well. How can you follow God's lead in your life, His direction in your life, if you don't know when He's leading you? Or what he's saying to you, or how he's nudging you, or how, how he's guiding you. How, how, do you. how can you follow him if you don't know what, what his voice sounds like? Everyone, everyone, and definitely the people of Jesus, hear from, hear from God. But most people need help to understand what that sounds like. Or to understand when God's speaking to them. As opposed to like, are they just making it up? Are they just making it up? In this story, Samuel was hearing from God. He heard from him once, didn't know it was God. He heard from him a second time, didn't know it was God. Heard from him a third time. God was speaking to him, and he didn't know that, that God was speaking to him. And that's where most everyone starts when it comes to following God. God's calling out to you. God's speaking to you, but you don't realize it's him, and you probably think that well, God doesn't speak to me. And you probably have a reason. Well, because I did, I, I was, I, I sinned. So therefore, God's not going to speak to me ever again. No, look, Samuel here, Samuel, just because you don't understand or don't perceive that God is speaking to you, just because you haven't learned to figure out what that sounds like, doesn't mean he isn't. Usually, we need people to help us to connect the dots. Oh, that was God speaking to me. Oh, that was the Holy Spirit guiding me. Oh, that was Jesus. I mean, when I was a pastor of this church in the early days, God told me to, to read the book of Acts. I didn't think God was speaking to me. I thought heaven was being silent, and that was my idea. <laughs> I didn't figure that out for a while. We, we, we need help connecting the dots. Oh, that was God. That wasn't just me. Eli helped Samuel connect the dots. If you need help, I mean, previously I recommended the book, Can You Hear Me? by Brad Jerzak. You can keep your ears open for prayer training things here at this church. Now, learning to figure out when God's speaking to you is actually the easier bit. The harder bit is overcoming your fear and your own preferred future to do what God is telling you to do or to say what God's telling you today, to act on what's been spoken. Look at this. So Samuel, he heard this word of judgment against Eli, his adopted father, the guy who taught him to, to, um, to be able to hear from God and how to recognize God's voice. And, and, then, um, and then we read this down in, in verse 15. After he heard this word of judgment, it says, Samuel lay down until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you? Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. And then he puts this curse over it. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. He will do what he thinks is good. Okay, I, I highly encourage you to spend time this summer trying to, to grow in hearing from God and hearing and discerning when God's speaking to you. But I highly, 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 highly encourage you to pray for accompanying courage. To pray for a courage that is needed to go with hearing from God. The courage and the resolution 
and your spirit to, to act on what God's spoken to you. The, the main thing that I want you to take out of our study when it comes to Samuel is this. Samuel, keep listening. Keep courageous. Keep listening. Keep courageous. I love it how clear it is in the Bible that Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Like I said last week, if you, if you want to follow God well, we need to learn how to become proficient at overcoming fear. We need to learn, learn that so that we can not only hear from God, but have the courage to act on what he says, even when it feels frightening. Okay, so Hannah. Hannah, keep pleading, keep praising. Samuel, keep listening, keep courageous. And then, then most recently, we looked at our last person of this study, a king named Samuel. Nope, Saul. Yeah, that was a test. <laughs> I didn't, ah, I got, okay, keep going. There, there were so many, uh, so many things we, we talked about with Saul. I mean, we talked about how, how God called him to be king, about how Saul didn't want to become king. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't looking for it. And then, and then actually when it was time to be announced that he was going to be king, he was hiding in the, in the, amongst the luggage. He didn't want to be announced as king. And yet God often calls us to, to do things that are scary. God often calls us to do things that seem too big for us. They, they seem too impossible God often asks us to do things that we don't feel qualified for, that we can't figure out how we're going to be able to do that. Or if we step out trying to do what God's asking us to do, who's going to support us? Where we, we, who's going to help us? Where's the, where's the finances going to come from? Where's the people going to... I, we just can't figure out how it's going to be able to come together. But the same God who calls helps. And the same God who calls empowers. And the same God who calls can change us, can equip us, can give us everything we need to accomplish everything that he's asked us to do. We see that clearly in Saul and his calling. But the trick, the trick is, is when, when God calls us and we step out, saying yes is only the first step. And Saul eventually got that first step right, but he, he didn't, as we've seen, keep in step with God throughout all the directions of his life to live out all of his calling maybe you said yes to Jesus but you're struggling to say yes to obedience in a certain way or another Saul struggled with this and, and, and as we've seen we saw him start well when he was first called he was humble and God was with him and he went and rescued the people of Jabesh Gilead and, and, and he, he mobilized him he was a great godly leader in, in that moment but over the years he got tripped up over the years, he got tripped up by things that very commonly trip up godly people in every generation. He, he got tripped up by things that are so common to trip up godly people. And those stories served as great warnings to us uh, to how to follow God well and, 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 and what we need to be aware of uh, and the things that can trip us up and including trusting God even in the most stressful moments of our lives. To not allow stress to turn us away from godliness. To not allow stress to turn, turn us towards disobedience. It's the stress times that separate those who, who are following God well versus only following God well when it's, when it's simple enough. It, it's hardest to wait on God. 
It's hardest to wait to hear from God. It's hardest to wait for God to act when your life stress is highest. But that's exactly what we need to do in order to follow God well. And we, we saw this several times in his story. In, in chapter 13 was one example, in verse, starting in verse 6, I'm just reading. They were, they were in a high-stress situation. It said the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble because the troops were in a difficult situation. If you remember that story, that was a, a, a hilarious understatement. Difficult situation. They hid in caves, thickets among rocks and in holes and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Saul, however, was still at Gilgal and all his troops were gripped with fear. He waited seven days for the appointed time that Saul had set. But Samuel, Samuel didn't come to Gilgal. And the troops were deserting him. And I hope you can just feel that pressure. Samuel said he'd be here at a certain time. He didn't show up on time. He was late. The troops are deserting him. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. Then he, burnt, he offered the burnt offerings. Just as he finished offering the burnt offerings, Samuel arrived. So Saul went out to greet him. And Samuel asked, what have you done? Saul answered, when I saw that the troops were deserting me, and you didn't come within the appointed days, and the Philistines were gathering at Michmash. I thought the Philistines will now descend on me at Gilgal, and I haven't sought the Lord's favor. So I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. Samuel said, you have been foolish. You've not kept the command which the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel, but now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man loyal to him, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord has commanded. Just like what we talked about last week. Same sort of idea. Saul's complicated. Saul's complicated. He genuinely wants God's favor and help. That's why he gives the burnt offering in disobedience. Because he knows he needs God's favor and help. He knows the importance of that. And he has all that right. He needs God's help. But just as we've seen so often with, with Saul, in, in his stress, in his crisis, he runs out of patience and into disobedience. In his stress and in his crisis, he runs out of patience and into disobedience. The main things that I want you to take away from, from Saul in the study is, is this. Saul, keep waiting. Keep obeying. Keep waiting. Keep obeying. So many of Saul's missteps are connected to impatience leading to disobedience. Impatiently, we saw that last week when, when, when he wasn't hearing from God. And so after trying to hear from God, he went and found a witch, who would, a medium to, for answers. He struggled with waiting all of his life, especially in the process of stress and pressures. He also struggled with obeying and, and really understanding this massive, massive difference between what fully obeying God is and mostly, mostly obeying God. We, we think that there's a small difference between 98% and 100%. But to God, the difference is massive. Saul loses the, the dynasty because of the difference between 98% and 100%. Man, if I ever got a 98% in my life, I'd be like, boom, awesome. Uh, no, 
That, that, wasn't, that wasn't enough. He lost the, between the difference between fully obeying God and mostly, mostly obeying God. So the king, kingship passed to David. Waiting, obeying, tripped up Saul all the days of his life. Now I know how hard it is how, to, to keep waiting in our stresses and keep obeying in the pressures. That, that's, that's Saul, though. I mean, there were some other things we talked about, like his insane jealousy for David. Uh, it, just that evil stuff. But when it comes to Saul, the main thing I want us to take away is a guy that's much more like us than we want to admit. If we want to follow God well, then we need to become great at both waiting on God, past the comfortable bit, and inconvenient obeying. Okay. Hannah, pleading. Keep pleading. Keep praising. Samuel, Samuel, keep listening. Keep courageous. Saul, keep waiting. Keep obeying. I hope you can see it, but, but, but that word keep keeps getting thrown out there, but I'm, I'm just gonna lay it out this simply. It is persistence and consistency, people. It is persistence and consistency in prayer, in obedience, in trusting, in courage. It is persistence and consistency through all the difficult moments of our lives, through all the stressful seasons and all the, the fear seasons that separate us from people who are going to be able to follow God well all the days of our life, people who are going to be able to make a difference, and normal people normal Christians it's that steadfastness it's that steadfastness in character to stay on track with God when life is, is brutally painful and disappointing and maybe even full of abuse year after year like Hannah it's that steadfastness when maybe life had been going amazing and then in, in, in a single disappointing moment everything falls apart and comes crashing down like, like when, when Samuel is rejected by the nation. It's being steadfast in spirit and resolve when your stresses and your fears are through the roof like what, what Saul experiences several times in, in his life. These are the moments that separate those who are going to follow God well and those who are just they're just going to just family the world needs Jesus our city needs Jesus how are they going to know about Jesus unless somebody tells them how are they going to know how to follow Jesus unless someone shows them how are they going to know how to follow God well unless you show them how to do that? Our, our city needs to follow Jesus. Our city needs examples of people who are going to set their hearts to follow God well in every season of their life. It has been my lifelong aim and, 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 and passion to live an example to live an example of, of what following God looks like, to, to live my life as a visible test case for people to observe. I, I, want, I want people to look at me and see someone like Hannah, 
Someone who, who play, prays, who prays and pleads with God until things change. And then it's full of praise afterwards for answered prayer. I want them to look at my life and I want them to see someone like Samuel who listens to God and then who acts with courage. I don't want them to see someone that looks like Saul. I want them to see someone who is, who's learned to wait, to wait on God in whatever the stress and to keep obeying. Now, honestly, waiting isn't my strongest. <laughs> that's, not, that my, that's not my strongest point. I'm not that great at that. It's, it's, a, it's a development process for me, and, 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 and I, don't, I don't always get it right. And, and I also want to s- people to see in me someone who, who, who knows they need grace. They're not gonna, nobody is ever gonna be able to look at me, or you, but me, and see a perfect person. They have to look to Jesus for that. But they can see someone who, who knows how to respond when they fall and when they crash and when they make a mistake and, and, and how to receive grace. Some of you don't know how to receive grace. This is, this is what it's like to, to be someone who, who is living an example of someone who, who knows grace. You fall, you repent, you, 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 you full, full of remorse, you receive God's grace and you believe God's grace and you believe God's grace publicly and it's seen by this one characteristic. Joy. When you believe you have grace, there's joy. It's like the love, forgiven much, loved much thing. It, it comes out. There's so many people who believe they have grace and yet they just carry this guilt and this shame and this darkness. They don't believe, they don't understand, they don't get, they're not living, modeling the, del- the delight of real grace. They, they're, they're not getting it. Grace is believing. Believing and, and receiving is full of joy. Anyways, don't you want to be a living example of this stuff? Don't you want to be someone who's, who's by your life showing people how to follow God well? It's not arrogant of the Apostle Paul to say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's not arrogant of him. He could have just said, imitate Jesus. But he knows in his generation and in every generation, we need examples of people in front of us that are showing us how it's done. So he says, okay, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He wasn't perfect. Our city needs Jesus, and I believe Jesus has you here now for a challenge for the rest of your life, if you'll take it up. To be someone who tells people about Jesus, but more importantly, someone's determined to live a life that will show people how to follow God well. I have thoroughly enjoyed this series i've enjoyed looking at these these three people i i i've, I've learned I've, I've grown i've changed i'm sure i'm not the the only one in this room the the final challenge for this series uh is is really a challenge looking ahead to the summer and, and and what i want you to do is i want you to pick one of these words from this from this series what is your challenge word to intentionally mature in this summer is it pleading 
Is it, is it I, I want to be someone who's more persistent in seeking God for, I've given up on some prayers or whatever. I want to become more, grow in pleading, uh, praising. I, I'm, I moan too much. I'm not very thankful when it comes to anything Jesus has done for me. Uh, listening. I want to grow in listening to God. I want to grow in courage, in courageous, in courageous following God and doing what he says no matter what. I want to grow in waiting. I, I, I freak out when I'm waiting and I do stupid stuff. I want to grow in waiting or obeying. What is your word? What is your word? I want you to commit yourself. Okay, I'm going to take one of these words and I'm going to really make it my word for the summer to grow in with God. My challenge word is waiting. Waiting.